What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Echoes Grizzlies Podcast. We're kind of covering two games tonight. Isaac has got to carry me on the Dallas matchup because I had an insane on-call night, so I didn't really get to finish that game. But I did get to watch tonight's game. The Grizzlies beat the Lakers 108-95, to improved to 15-11 and on the season. Hold on to that four spot in the West, man. I, Dude, I cannot believe that this win tonight happened on a back-to-back. Losing Dylan Brooks, you know, like basically an hour before the tip-off. And I was like, oh, man, that's that that's not a good recipe. But they pulled it off. The, the role players really stepped it up in this game against the Lakers. What would you think about it, Isaac? Yeah, man, I was on a radio show this morning, and I picked the Grizzlies to win this game. I was like, hey, Lakers, four and a half, minus four and a half, minus four and a half. And uh, at that time, I, I didn't know Dylan was going to be out. Once they announced Dylan was out, I was like, this is going to be tough. At that point, we didn't even know Kyle Anderson was playing. He was questionable, and, and I've said with this team, with the Grizzlies, questionable is the new probable. And he was able to go tonight, and they really needed that tonight. But uh, it's just a fantastic win. I think what you really like about this one is all the role players stepping up. I mean, guys that aren't normally in the rotation coming in against a, t- a team with with a lot of talent, a lot of all-star players, veteran guys. And you have guys like Jared Culver and uh, Killian Tilly and John Contrar coming in and making big plays in this game, man. Just hustle plays, just all over the floor, man, getting steals and, and just – making plays, man, against veteran players. You just didn't expect to see that. And, and I think that's what's really special about this win, that you, those guys, your lower roster guys, were able to come in and make plays. And it's just a testament to the depth of his team and and also to Taylor Jenkins and his staff for having the confidence in these guys, to, to be willing to deploy these guys in high-leverage situations. And they came through for them tonight, man. It was just really good to see. Yeah, the, you know, the bench, if you look at the plus-minus for this game, and, and we have this conversation frequently about whether plus-minus is a great, you know. All plus. That, <laughs> you know, like w- when you're using it to make a point, we love it. But fifty plus 57 from the, from the bench yeah, tonight, they just completely outplayed the Lakers bench. And, and it, it's, it's surprising in a way. And then again, it's not. You know, they, they have, we have heard about the culture and what they're doing you know, here in, here in Memphis and, and, and it's always, you know, next man up, you know, somebody goes down next man up Desmond Bain talked in the post game presser about, you know, how him and Dylan Brooks got together when Ja went down and they're like, you know, we've got to sacrifice something. So we're both prepared going into this because we've got to step up knowing that they lost their number one guy. And it, it, it's great to see the, the way that this team, you know, melds together. It's, there's not na- you don't you don't hear any negative. Everybody is, you know, when you're not out there on the floor, you're a cheerleader and you're getting support from one to fifteen, man. And it's just incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, and I love the way they handle it. Uh, when you, when you talk about the play groups, Taylor Jenkins always talks about that, and and the way they they send these guys down, the like Culver, Tilly, these guys get playing time down with the hustle, and then they bring them right back up. I mean, that's the great thing about having a team so close to you down in South Haven. Uh, just about 20 miles away, uh, to, or not even that much from downtown Memphis, um, to, to, to be able to send guys back and forth. And these guys are getting playing time. Jerry Colbert talked about this in the postgame. Uh, and he said he just wants to take advantage of every opportunity that he gets. I mean, he said going down to the G League, that helps and practices and the play groups. And he just wants to win. Um, and his number got called tonight, man. He stepped up, stepped up big. And, and I was talking about this on Twitter. Uh, we kind of talked about this when we acquired him. It was kind of a, a weird situation. We kind of saw this with Josh Jackson last year where the Grizzlies didn't pick up his option. So they're going to be 
he's going to be a free agent this offseason uh, if they don't move him at the deadline. And they're going to have a cap on how much they can pay him. But I think with him not playing much, I don't think there's a big worry that somebody's going to offer him a contract more than what they can pay him. So I think if they don't trade him, I think he's a guy that they should bring back. I think you'll be able to get him on, on, a, on a, a cheap deal. And he's a guy that I think I want to continue to develop. I mean, the size that he that he brings, the defense, I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, I even think there's more offensive potential that a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, he played fantastic tonight. I mean, wasn't intimidated going up against LeBron, going up against Russell Westbrook. Uh, and he wasn't intimidated at all, man. And, again, I, I think there's something there. And, again, you love a guy that size with his defensive potential. And if they don't move him, I'm hoping he's a the guy they bring back. And I think they'll be able to do that pretty, pretty cheaply. I don't think it's going to cost a lot because, under normal circumstances, he's not going to get a lot of playing time. But going down to the G League, playing down there, and, and showing tonight that if his number is called, he's going to be ready. Yeah, I wonder – Obviously, when this team is healthy, he's not a guy that, that maybe should crack the rotation. But I wonder, what, with this showing tonight, are we going to see more of him, right? You know, like until we know the, the health and safety protocols, even though both guys are vaccinated, you're looking at 10 days. So, you know, like they, they have um, Saturday night against the Rockets, and then they play again Monday against uh, the Sixers. So in a 10-day stretch, they're going to have four, five, six, six or seven games here that they're going to be without Ja and Dylan. And it's – I can't say that that I had a ton of faith in him. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I did say, you know, beginning of the year, I don't feel like Minnesota gave him a fair shake. Um, you know, that they drafted Anthony Edwards, and he just seemed to be kind of tossed on the back burner. Um, whether that was, you know, the franchise, the coaching staff, or whatever. Yeah, it was kind um, of it was a different, totally different regime. Like the guys that drafted him, they weren't even in charge anymore. And I think when the new regime came in, they took Evers, and I think that was their guy. So they were obviously gonna gonna favor him over uh, Culver because they didn't draft him. Um, and I think that's kind of what you saw. I mean, a guy that's a former sixth overall pick. I mean, and it wasn't like there was a reach or overdraft or anything. That wasn't a particularly good draft, but that's the area that he was projected to go in. So a lot of people saw that talent in him. I know I, I liked him a lot. I was kind of hoping the Grizz could hold on to that pick um, and, and didn't compare it to Boston because he was the guy that I kind of keyed in on. I, I loved him in college. Uh, he had a, a great, great tournament run. Um, and again, man, I, I just loved his size. And I, I thought that there was some potential there, especially on the defensive end. And again, man, I mean, the Grizzlies have an opportunity to get a free look at him here. Um, and we'll see what happens. But again, man, if, if they're, they don't move him, at the deadline, which he's an expired contract, so he's kind of going to be on that radar. I, I think he's a guy that I, I would try to bring back on, on a cheap deal because, again, I, I think there's some potential there to, to keep developing him and no reason not to develop here. I mean, you made a move uh, to, to bring him in. You got him here, man. It's not going to cost you a lot of money, man. I'd like to continue seeing what he can, can he continue to develop because had a, had a, I mean, his numbers analytics-wise wasn't weren't great his first year, but, I mean, he put up some, some solid numbers. He had some solid games. His first year, second year, again, with but with Edwards being there, it just didn't really click at all. He had an injury that he missed about half the season and never really got back in the rotation. But, uh, again, man, a free look at a guy. And, again, I, I'd be willing to bring him back, depending on what, what the price is. Yeah. Uh, of course he was your guy. He's taller than 6'3". <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I got to. Listen, hey, heading into next draft season, 
I'm going to make, make a list of guys that Isaac <laughs> is not going to like. <laughs> I, I think I'll do pretty good, but I, I always got to give you a hard time about that, man. But yeah, it, it's, it's great to see, you know, you, you talk about Tilly and Culver Conchar and, and Bain had a great, you know, stretch where he was talking in the post game about, you know, he said, you look at these guys that haven't gotten a ton of run and they get in here and they're producing and we didn't know what to expect from, from Kyle I don't think that he's fully healthy or that 15 minutes thing probably, you know, he probably plays more minutes than that if he's fully healthy and, you know, honestly. So, you know, just trying to get him back and get his legs underneath him. But, you know, he, he was plenty productive in the 15 minutes that he played and matched up well, you know, defensively against a big Lakers team. Um, I, I was looking at the rebounding. I, I never in a million years would have bet on the the, the rebounding and in the way that it did, the Grizzlies out rebounded Lakers. Yeah, that's, I tweeted that's craziness it out. to me. Double double them up on offensive rebound, fourteen to seven, and that's that's impressive, man. Um, to to I read about a, a Lakers team this size, I think they really got beat up on the boards in the the game in, in out in L.A. But man, going back to Bain, man, can can I get some respect on put on King Climbing's name, man? Man, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, this guy, get this this guy at thirty, man. Put some respect. On King Climbing's name for for pulling in Desmond Bain. Hold, hold on, hold no, I'm I'm not gonna let you do that. And this is why <laughs> we had a conversation on Twitter earlier today, and you're saying, well, you know, Sabonis can be the third guy. So, are you putting enough respect on Desmond Bain's name? That's what I want to know, man. Hey, man, it, it's the more the barrier, man. I've never you can't have too much talent on a team, man. But the the, the conversation we were having, it's Indiana's come out and said that they're kind of looking to rebuild and. They have guys on the block, possibly Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis, and uh, Karis LeVert. And when it, when that information came out, I was like, man, I would love to have Sabonis on this team. Sabonis is probably one of, it's one of my favorite players outside of the Grizz of uh, the NBA. I mean, I just love his skill set. I mean, he can really score around the rim and really rebound the basketball. And, I mean, I know it's not a perfect fit. I, I do kind of like the fit next to Jaren because he's a guy that can really rebound. I think if you look at the situation, Miles Turner probably – fits a little bit better as a natural five next to Jaron, but I, I like Miles Turner a lot. I, and I know, I know David is a big fan of him as well. I just, I think the Grizzlies have collected all these assets to go out and make a big move, um, a, a move that can be like a franchise change of move. And Miles Turner is a really good player, but if it, if it puts you out of the situation where you can't, you have to take so many assets that you have to go outside of that, that you can't go make another big move. I just don't know if Miles Turner moves the needle enough. I think Sabonis is a guy that could be that third level guy, that third all-star level player. I know Miles Turner was an all-star as well, but I think he could be that third guy. I think he's good enough to where you could say, okay, well, I'm willing to gut my assets for him because I think he's a guy that could take us to, the, to another level. I don't know if Miles Turner, although a really good player, I just don't know if he's that guy. Yeah, and, and so I will agree with you about everything you said on Sabonis. I, I love his game. He uh, He's more than just a rebounder. He's a fantastic passer as a big man. Yeah, it's, you know, like he, uh, tremendous basketball like you, like yeah, one of the smartest just, players in the league. You look at the stuff, the skills that he has, just his overall makeup, and he fits kind of what the Grizzlies like in players, right? Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, I'm – I'm more on the Turner than the Sabonis side, but I wouldn't be angry at either one of those guys. My reasoning behind Miles Turner over Sabonis, in a vacuum between those two, I prefer Sabonis 
But with the the roster currently constructed as it is, I prefer Turner simply because of Sabonis's shots. Where where do his shots come from? Gotcha. You know, and, and that that's my and maybe listen. People have gotten into trouble for that. Like, who is the most talented guy? Is it Miles Turner or is it Sabonis? And I think, that, yeah. you know, universally, the the, the answer to that question is going to be the bonus. Yeah. But, you know, like people have gotten in trouble drafting or, you know, like trying to get fit rather than talent. Maybe you just get the talent and you let the chips fall where they, they may. You know, you've got a guy and Desmond Bain that's playing at an incredible level that, you know, I don't know that. You know, we were high on this kid coming out of the draft, and there were a number of people. You know, I'm not trying to say, you know, Isaac and I were the only people that were on him, but, you know, both of us liked this kid coming out of the draft, but I don't know that anybody expected him to be playing at the level that he's playing right now. And then, you know, you got Bain, Jaron Jackson. We know what John Moran has been doing. And then Dylan Brooks is another guy. And I have no problem with Dylan Brooks kind of taking – a, a back seat on the offensive end. I would love to see him be more efficient because of what he – he's another guy on the roster that can get to the rim, that can create his own shot, and you can never have too many of those guys on your roster. So I just wonder where Sabonis' shots are going to come from. I don't know that you'll ever see a chemistry issue with these guys, but I think if you do, that, that Brooks may be the guy that kind of throws that up. Yeah, and, and I kind of get what you're saying. You're kind of getting back into the same situation you had with JB, mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy that you because Sabonis offensively he's so skilled that you he's the type of guy that you got to run plays for. Miles Turner, you don't necessarily have to to run those plays for him. Um, and, and Sabonis is definitely going to take shots. He's going to take up space in the lane. And yeah, you're right. I guess that's kind of what they were trying to get away from to kind of open things up for for John and Lane, open things up for Jaron Jackson Jr. and you, you you are kind of getting back into that with him. So I kind of agree with you there. I, I would still love to see him because I just love him selfishly as a player, but I, I, I definitely get your point. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, I, I will never – you will not hear me in any way, shape, or form complain if, you know, 25-year-old already all-star player is somebody that they go out and get. I think cost-wise, the bonus is going to cost you more. Turner – you know, we were talking, and this is all spitball, and we don't know for sure, but the, the three picks next year, if the Grizzlies gave up the three picks and Steven Adams to get Miles Turner, I would be completely fine with that. And, and I know that you had said that three three picks are too much. But yeah, if, I, I, I might do two, man, but I, three, that's – for Turner, that's that's tough because I feel like then you, you put yourself in a position – I mean, you've done so well to put yourself in this position because the Grizzlies for so long, have been a franchise that they didn't have any picks, they didn't have any money, the long-term outlet was bad. You put yourself in this position, and then you kind of blow your assets on a guy that, again, is really good, but I just don't know if he takes you to that that next level. And I think if you're going to go outside and bring a guy in, I know we talk about internal improvement, talk about Bain, him possibly being a third guy, but they're going to go out and do something. And I just feel like if they go out and make that move, I want to be a guy that's like a really big-time needle mover and. Again, I, I just don't know if Turner's that guy. I, I think he'll fit well. I think he'll be really good. I mean, we know what he can do defensively. You had him and Jaron, that would be really, really nice. But I, I just think – I'm thinking bigger than that. I think if you're going to use all those assets, use three those, those three picks, I think you can think a little bit bigger than that. I could be wrong. I mean, these teams – you've seen some of the trades that go down, man. They want a king's ransom for some of these guys. Definitely, if you're going to go out and get 
Sabonis, he ain't going to be cheap. That's for sure. You could definitely get Miles Turner for cheaper. But I just don't know if I go three, man. I might, I might go two, but the three seems like a bit much to me for Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, both of the guys are 25 years old, so it's not, you know, you're not getting uh, – it's not like you're trading for an older guy that can't fit. You know, these guys, even at 25, can definitely be a part of this core. It's really I, – I, I don't know that there's a huge difference between the two as far as, like, the, the, the needle move because of what you're going to have to give up to get Sabonis. You're, you're losing more to get him. And he, is he going to fill that void? So, um, you know, whether it's DeAnthony Melton or Brandon Clark or, or a, a young, good player like that in a trade, I think that you could maybe get Miles Turner without one of those guys. And Sabonis, there's no way it's happening without losing. And it's going to hurt. It's going to, you know, when you go out to get, whether it's Turner, Sabonis, or anybody else, whoever they got their eye on, when you go out to get them, it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, you're, you're going to give up some stuff that you don't want to give up to get them. So I'm, we may not know until the next offseason what's going to happen with it. But, you know, with the, with the Pacers making that announcement, I, I've been dreaming of a Miles Turner, Jaron Jackson playing side by side. I, the defense would be insane with Miles Turner. Yeah, it, it, it really would be, man. It would be quite the defensive tandem. And you're right. Especially if you go, if you go out and try to get the bonus. You're definitely going to have to give up somebody there. They're probably going to say DB, and that's off the table. I'm not trading DB in that yeah. deal, but I think definitely a guy like Melton and, and BC would definitely, I think, have to be on the table for them to move a guy like Sabonis. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, Karis Avert? Like, I, a lot of Grizz fans, I was talking to a lot of people on Twitter, and they said they would go that direction. I wouldn't, not with the Grizzlies' history that they've had with acquiring injured players. We've seen it with Chandler Parsons. We saw it with Justice Winslow, and I was like, man, I don't want to go back to that point of fan base of arguing about this guy, is what he can do when he's healthy. Garrison Verde, in theory, would be fantastic for this team. A big weight, 6'6", uh, about 210 pounds, can can really score the basketball. But, I mean, he just he's never been healthy, like never. I don't think he's ever had a season where he played probably even half of the season. And I just don't want to go down that route. I mean, if he, was, if he came extremely cheap, maybe I would be interested, I think, He's a guy that I don't even know if I'd want to be a starter. If he was a guy that could be like a super sub off the bench, come in and, and, and be your bench scorer, I, I think that would be could be a role for him. But I, I don't think I would touch him just because of the injury stuff unless he came really cheap. What, what are your thoughts on the first? Well, outside of his second year in Brooklyn, his age 23 season, uh, he hasn't played more than 57 games in a season. Yeah, man, it's, he just hasn't and, been healthy, man. And so, you know, that that's a risk. He, he is – he's not a guy that, that – I get the mindset behind getting a wing that can come off the bench and really be a spark. But if I'm targeting a wing from that team, it's Malcolm Brogdon, man. I don't yeah. know, you know, like expensive. <laughs> I don't I think that's when when they if, if they are going to rebuild, I think that might be the guy that they they hold on to. I don't, I don't think they're going to want to move him, but if they do, man, it's going to take a, a lot to, to to get Brogdon, but man, I mean, you think about the fit next to job. I mean, that would be like, when I think about guys that would be perfect next to Ja, and I, if, if you told me the name, like, five guys that would be realistic, we're not talking about, like, when I'm getting Kevin Durant or anything like that, but yeah, yeah, guys yeah. that are actually in reason, he would definitely be on that list. I mean, he would be a perfect fit next to Ja. Yeah, and that that's me. I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm completely out on Karis LeVert, 
but I'm along the same lines with you. Like the, the price would have to be almost perfect in order for that to be the case. And and I don't know that Indiana, even though they're going into a rebuild, I don't know that they're going to be like, you know, we'll just take whatever for him. Yeah, we're just, you know, just it, giving up. Yeah. He, he's had a rough go, obviously, with, with the injury history, 27 years old. Um, you know, it, it, it's – I don't know. I, I'm. I'm he had like a kidney kidney issue last year. I mean, yeah, had the, the he's had a rough go of it, man. Yeah, he's yeah. had a lot of lot of stuff going on, man. I just don't know. I mean, the, the Grizzlies history with that's just just not good, man. It scares me. And again, man, that was a dark time, man, with the Justice Winslow stuff, and that would even have or whatever in Challenge Parts. I know that's a was a different commitment level, different money, but I, I just don't know if I want to go through that again, man. That was like I said, dark time, man. People. Big back and forth, two sides of the fan base, man, kind of polarized on that situation. I, I, if I'm the Grizz, I think I just kind of stay away from that. Again, unless the price is perfect for him, I think that's the only way I would go out and even consider making that move. Yeah, you know, it's Malcolm Brogdon. The price is probably a little bit higher, but but another guy on that roster that's a that's a wing player that he has he's yet to play this season, and we're kind of you know, they're pretty tight-lipped about their injuries and where he's at. But T.J. Warren is, is another guy on that yeah. roster that, you know, if if you're not going after Sabonis or Turner or Brogdon and you're looking at some of these kind of secondary players, you know, T.J. Warren, you know, at 6'8", can play, you know, 2, 3, and maybe a small ball 4 for you. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. He's a guy that's kind of had – he's had some injury stuff. But it's been, you know, more recently, you know, throughout, you know, he, he struggled his first two years, played, you know, 40 and 47 games. But then he's been in the mid-60s after that. So I, I wouldn't mind taking a chance on him. There's plenty of, of talent for them to go get, whether they actually spend the assets and go get one of these guys. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But I, I don't – I Karis LeVert would probably be near the bottom of the list for me, honestly. Yeah, I definitely agree there. But I, I think they're going to do something. There's no way that they're going to execute all three of these picks, whether they go out and bring in a veteran, they use them to move up in the draft, they key in on the guy in the lottery that they really like, and they, and they try to move up that way. We'll see what happens. But I don't think there's any way they convert these three picks. I see some people, like you talk about these trades, they were like, man, there's no way I'm giving up those picks. Like, you're not bringing three rookies onto this roster out of the first round. It's just not, not going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. You're not. They're, they're already they're already young, man. You don't need to get younger right now. You, they, they need more some some guys that have proven things in the league. I mean, I don't mind you bringing one more guy in, but they don't need to be bringing in three more 18-year-olds on, on this roster. That's not what they need to do. So, again, I, I think they go out and do something, whether that's making a move at the deadline with, with some of those picks or use them on draft night to try to make a deal to move up or bring in a veteran player, maybe some more picks. We'll see what happens, but. Uh, that I think I think they're going to make some type of move because again, I mean they have a lot of assets, expiring contracts. Uh, we, we talk about Kyle, uh, Jared Culver. We we talk about the expiring contract. Tyus Jones it would would make a lot of sense uh, because I don't think he's a guy that they're going to resign. So I mean they have the, the assets to go out and make a move. I would be surprised that if they're not very active at, at this year's deadline. Yeah, and that's you know the the Stephen Adams with the three picks. I, I think that. The, a concern if they're looking at Turner and those are just, I've not heard anything from anybody. That's just something I was looking at and I'm like salaries match. They're taking on Steven Adams contract, which is not great, but you're taking those picks to take on that contract. 
So, you know, maybe that's something that they would look at. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun to think about it, man. I, I love to, to look at these guys. And, and like I said, I've, I've always, even, you know, early in Miles Turner's, uh, his career, I, I liked him. I've always liked him. And so that, that's something, you know, when, you know, it's, it's like you with the Sabonis thing, you, you like Sabonis. And so, you know, the thought of having him in a Grizzlies uniform is just, it's fantastic. And, and I'd be fine with either one of them, but yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we even talked about it this summer. We talked about miles Turner uh, a little bit before the season as being a guy that the Grizzlies could, could possibly look at. I think it was, I don't know if it was NBA central. Uh, one of those Twitter feeds tweeted out today, some comments from Turner that basically said that Indiana basically said they weren't using him correctly. He felt like he's a better player than what he's shown there, that he has more to give. So I, I think that situation is coming to a head. I, I definitely think they're going to, end up moving him. I think he's probably more likely to move than Sabonis because, again, Sabonis is going to cost a lot. They're going to ask for a lot for him. So I think it's probably more likely that that Miles Turner gets moved. So if the Grizzlies are interested, I, I think he's going to be available. and I think you'll be able to get him if you meet their asking price. Yeah. Yep. So let's jump into – you kind of like to do this. I'll let you do it. The, the game stats here, I don't even know how long we've ran. What time do we start? I have no idea. Yeah, man, he's been running along. Got a, got a, got out yeah. of a tangent here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, you got to look at the, the stats for tonight. And one thing I've noticed throughout the year, the Grizzlies have been really good at this. The, the Lakers, thirty six to seventy eight, only got seventy eight shots up, and that's been a theme for the Grizzlies. If you kind of look at their box scores, the teams that they play against don't get a lot of shots up, but in opposed to the Grizzlies, Grizzlies forty one of ninety four, so that's sixteen more attempts uh, for the Grizzlies. On the night, so the Grizzlies 41 of 94 for 43.6%. Lakers 36 of 78 for 46.2%. Uh, Grizzlies go 14 of 42 from three for 33.3%. Lakers 12 of 30 for 40%. So the Grizzlies uh, plus 12 in attempts. Grizzlies get 42 threes up tonight, uh, plus two in makes, and plus that's plus six points on the three point line. Uh, free throws 12 of 18 for 66.7%. 11 of 17 for 64.7% uh, for the Lakers and Nets. One thing I tweeted about, I don't know if I can ever remember a game where between the Grizzlies and Lakers where I didn't feel like the officiating was an issue. And I, I, I didn't even think about that after the game. It wasn't an issue at all. I felt really good about the way that they called the game tonight, especially after last night where I felt like – and I don't, I'm not a person that likes to harp on officiating, but I felt like the Grizzlies got holes last night. It's not the reason why they lost the game, but I agree with Dylan Brooks. Uh, I had some strong comments after the game. Uh, basically said it was – BS. Um, I think he's going to be writing a nice little check to the league there, but I, I don't think he's concerned about that because his comments were spot on. I just felt like th th there was no consistency there and they weren't doing anything to protect the players. I mean, I think it got out of hand and they really lost control of that game. It just seemed like every 50-50 call went the Mavericks' way. It was just a tough night. We just didn't shoot the ball well in the second half, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But again, man, not an issue at all tonight. Grizzlies actually shoot one more free throw uh, than the Lakers tonight, and that's not something that you've seen. We've seen games over the last couple of years where Lakers were like plus 28 uh, on the free throw line, big numbers like that against Grizzlies. Not that at all tonight. Uh, rebounding, uh, which is really impressive. You go up against a big Lakers team, you think they're going to win a rebounding battle. Not at all. Uh, Grizzlies win overall rebounding battle 47 to 45. Double them up on offensive rebounds 14 to 7, and I think that's a big reason why the Grizzlies were able to win this game, and Steven Adams, man, we didn't, we haven't talked about him, man. Another nice night for him. Only scored four points, man, but 13 rebounds, uh, two assists. Uh, but in, in 30, he played 13 minutes or 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Another big game for him. 
uh, tonight was just extremely active, keeping balls alive, even ones that he didn't actually get the offensive rebound, get some tips and keeping balls alive. I mean, he's been fantastic for this team over the last few, few games. And, again, they're a different team when he plays like that. He's one of the main reasons why they've been able to win this game because he's been forced inside and, again, man, been able to finish at the rim a little bit better than he was doing early in the season. And he's looked like the guy that we thought we were getting when the season started. Yeah, def- definitely better the last few games and and starting to kind of hit his stride a little bit. And, and it shows in the Grizzlies' record. Jaron's playing better, and that's, you know, that that's not – Ja is out. Jaron knows that he has to step up. You know, what is he going to be able to maintain this level whenever Ja comes back? Yeah, that's the big you know, question. And that, that's – it's going to be crucial for this Grizzlies team. You know, you can see that this team has enough talent to win in this league, but what's going to happen when everybody's together and, you know, can you keep the same chemistry? Can these guys continue to play aggressive? There were, there was one play tonight in the third quarter, Jaron got the ball in the post and he went right at Anthony Davis and, and, and scored yep. on him. Yep. You know, and like Anthony Davis is not the most physical big, but Anthony Davis is a dang good defender and, you know, Jaron Jackson goes straight at him and just gets the bucket. And it wasn't uncontested, but Davis done essentially nothing to stop Jaron. He, he had no answer for him. So the the aggressive Jaron, the, the little bit of the game that I got to watch last night uh, late, Jaron was aggressive in the first half of that Dallas game. And I, and I love it when he's catching the ball down there inside the free throw line with his back to the basket. And he, you know, he hits that drop step spin move. He's scoring on that the majority of the time. I, I don't know that I've really seen him miss that shot a whole lot. So I, I love that he's adding that part of his game back into it. Yeah, I mean, and and one thing about this is, and you mentioned this is a second ago, is you just want to see this continue when Doc comes back. I mean, I, we've never really seen this Jared, Pete Jared, with Doc, and, and that's kind of been the, these have been the two guys that they've kind of put together as jerseys have been injured. And when he's there, he hasn't been quite himself. We've really never seen them both be really good at the same time. And I, I, I think I wouldn't, that's, I, I wouldn't, I, I have a little rebuttal for that. Like the bubble and that yeah. Spurs, the Spurs game, like that, that was not, not just that one single game, but in the bubble, both of them were there and they were both playing pretty well. Maybe not, you know, like with that being Jaws rookie season, you may not want to consider that peak, obviously, but I think that that was a good example of, you know, they were. Yeah, they did have a pretty they, good run. They, yeah. they struggled yeah, overall as a, as a team. They struggled in the bubble, but we got to saw we we got to see, excuse me, some glimpses from them too, that that were really really good. And that's you know, I remember Jaron knocking down that three against San Antonio late to to get them the win to essentially secure them in the play in game. So, yeah, I mean. I still I want to see what with what Ja has done the beginning of this season with the growth and the way Jaron has looked without Ja. I want to see that together on the court at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you talk about aggressive Jaron. I mean, I, I really loved what I saw tonight because we talked so much about them not taking advantage of mismatches, and that wasn't the case at all tonight. When Carmelo Anthony was on him, like Shaq says, man, barbecue chicken. Jaron was going right at him. I mean, he knew that he couldn't guard him. And he took full advantage of him. He was going right at his chest and scoring man, time after time after time. And I really was glad to see that. He did the same thing last night until he got into foul trouble. I um, mean, that was kind of a tale of two halves last night. Grizzlies played really well in, in the first half, but 
just couldn't make shots in that second half. That was a game where you kind of really saw where you missed John. They could have really used John in that game last night. Luka Doncic got hot in the second half, and and they and they they made some shots. The Grizzlies just couldn't make make enough shots to keep up with them. Um, Dallas would take, throw a punch and, and and get to go on a run, and they just couldn't make any shots down the stretch. And officiating didn't help at all. But I, but the reason why they really lost that game is just just not enough offense in the second half. But Jeremy was really good, man. Just got in foul trouble and couldn't couldn't really get back into it in the second half, and that hurt him as well. Uh, but to see him bounce back, and they talk about this. Jared said this in the game how hard, how tough it is to kind of bounce back. You got some tired legs, but they didn't look like that at all tonight, man. A lot of a lot of energy from the start, and I think playing against the Lakers, and I think seeing way too many Lakers jerseys in the crowd, I think that kind of fueled them and pumped them up. I mean, because again, these role players were were fantastic tonight. Just a just a big time win. I mean, he talked about calling Jaw and calling Dylan after the game and how excited they were. Said they were geeked out uh, for the guys. And you know how how much they support these guys, man. I'm sure it was extremely tough for them to be at home, especially for, for, for this one, going up against the Lakers. Uh, but just a tremendous win for this team, be able to bounce back, and, and now 5-1 and one without Ja. Going into a, a special game on Saturday night, it's going to be a retirement ceremony for, for Zach Randolph, and that's going to be a special night. you got a Houston team who's on a run, man. They won, I think, seven in a row. I think they play tomorrow night against Milwaukee. I think it's tomorrow night, so we'll see if they can come in here. Ain't no, but They've been, they've been playing really well, so it's a little bit different team than they played the first time. It's still a game that the Grizzlies should win, and uh, I mean, I, I was excited about this homestand coming into it. Uh, Dallas figured they had an opportunity to go up 2-0 and then wasn't able to do it, but bounced back on the second night of back-to-back and got a big win against the Lakers, and I I, I don't know, man. That, that Lakers team, I, I, they just, it just ain't it, man. I don't, I don't think that team is a contender. I know they got all that talent, but there's really – not a lot of excuses for it because I mean the guys are playing and they're still losing basketball games. Yeah, I mean they're they've not been completely healthy the entire season. I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I'm on the same page as you, but they're missing some some key pieces. You look at this. Look at the bench squad that they ran tonight with Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington. They're missing none. Anthony. I mean, I, I'll give you know, I'll give you like, that. Like they don't have a, a guard. Their bench off is atrocious. Yeah, you know you you've got Rondo has been out. He's not been there. They've got nobody, no playmakers. If you don't have Westbrook or LeBron on the floor, you have no playmakers. And so that that's something you get, you almost have to stagger it. Like maybe take, take Westbrook or LeBron out five minutes into the first quarter and then let the other guy get his run and then bring the other guy in with the second unit, because you can't rely on Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, like Carmelo's not in the point of his career where he's going to run an offense, and then you know Kim Bazemore, that's definitely not it. Yeah, he's they were just, they were just sign, they were just signing guys, man. Whoever yeah. whoever they could get guys want to come in for the minimum. It's like, man, we we got open contracts here. If you want to take the minimum, man, you can come on in. But I got to yeah. challenge you, man, on your guy Russell Westbrook, man. What what's up with your guy Russell Westbrook, man? Basketball IQ, man, is just it just ain't there, man. It ain't ain't it, man. What do you what do you got to say to defend defend your guy? I mean, it's more my son's guy than, than, than mine, but you know, he, he is always, he plays like at a hundred miles an hour. And so he, he turns the ball yeah. over a ton. And when he's having a bad game and tonight the Grizzlies defense really got into him for six turnovers from him. And that is, that's something. Yeah. He doesn't bag off. Him, Was he yeah. playing bad or not? He doesn't bag off. That's for sure. And that's, you know, <laughs> when he has a game like tonight, it, it looks really bad. And that, that's the one thing, like, that's a knock on Westbrook. And, you know, there have been people that, that have, 
you know, use the term serviceable or, or mediocre or whatever with West, Westbrook. And obviously, like, in the history of the game, the things that he's been able to do have been impressive. But overall, his, uh, you know, the holes in his game are, are very glaring. And as he ages, the speed and everything that he used in his early years, it's just not quite there. And so that, that gap that he had whenever he was younger is not there anymore. And, and you can see it in, in games like tonight, you know, nine points, six turnovers, seven assists, six rebounds. Not a not a great line from him. Not the kind of stuff that you expect from a guy like Russell Westbrook. But you know, I just kudos to Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff for putting together a good game plan to disrupt him. And, yeah, man, I was, it, it worked worked well. Yeah, man, I, I'm just so impressed by these guys. I mean, they weren't intimidated at all. Jerry Culver played some tremendous defense uh, on the time that he was on Westbrook and going right at LeBron. Had that. I, there was one play, and I, and I tweeted this out. Uh, Jerry Culver came down and Ty Jones clapping his hands, wanting him to get a ball back. And he was like, no, nah, I'm going around. I'm going to take this jumper, man. Hit the shot right over, right over LeBron. I was like, man, this kid came to play tonight. And I was just super impressed because you just don't usually don't throw guys that aren't playing into a game like this. And they come in and make plays like this. I mean, Jitty had one of his best games that he's at this year. I mean, we've kind of said about the talk a little bit bad about him and not being in, about him being in rotation, playing too many minutes, but, Man, I mean, I guess it paid off because, I mean, he really, really played well tonight. And I just couldn't have been more impressed. When the Lakers came out in the third quarter, you're like, oh, man, the Lakers are going to take this game over. We've, we've seen this movie before. And every time the Lakers punched, man, they came right back at them. And, again, these aren't weren't your star players like doing this. Jaron was having a big game. But you had your bench coming in doing big work against LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook. They weren't scared of these guys at all because, I mean, you could – be intimidated by these guys. I mean, these are young guys and Tilly, they're coming in and you could be playing against a veteran team like this. They could, can intimidate you, but they weren't intimidated at all. Uh, just kept going at them. And I, I just can't say how in, in impressed I was with, with the bench tonight. Yeah. You, you, the, this game was won by the Grizzlies bench. It, I mean, honestly, it, they just outclassed the Lakers bench and, and that's, you know, climbing, you, you, you were talking about giving him his flowers earlier and I kind of, cut you off to and we, we went on that uh, the Pacers tangent there but you know that he's he's constructed a roster that has depth from one to 15 of guys that can go out and can contribute even even when they're not playing every night and the, the only player you know one to 15 that hasn't really had any significant rotation minutes is Pons and he's a very raw guy coming out of Tennessee that you're not sure what his offense is going to look like but you, you look, everybody else on this roster, you know, tonight, Tilly and Culver, Santi Aldama has played big rotation minutes. Xavier Tillman's been in and out of the rotation. John Conchar, even, you know, at times when we don't want to see him, he's been in the rotation, and, and these guys are producing. So that that is one thing that you can say for Kleiman that, that he has constructed this roster very well. No, no, no doubt about that. Uh, I thought kind of coming in before I knew – once they announced Dylan Brooke was out and didn't know at that time was there, Kyle was going to be able to go. I was like, man, this might be a game where you could see punts because I felt like they needed some size uh, to go up against guys like uh, like LeBron and the size that the Lakers brought. But Kyle was able to go, so I think that's kind of what kept punts on the bench. I think Santi's a little banged up, um, had a couple of hits, got elbowed in the face and then landed on his tailbone in that game. So I think he's a little bit banged up. I think that's probably why you didn't see him. Uh, tonight, but uh, I mean, I just can't say say enough about this bench and this, and this depth that they 
put together and be able to go five and one without John Morant, without Cal outside of tonight and without BC. I mean, it's just tremendous. And it's just not, you kind of, you kind of say that you're surprised, but then you're not because this team has always been resilient. I mean, you, when John went down last year, they played really well. We've always seen this team and guys kind of step up next man up mentality. As Taylor Jenkins always says with this team, and they've always been able to do that. Uh, so again, man, just, Another example of that here, man, Giles, Cal missing four or five games, BC out and go five and one, man. Just tremendous. Combination of four rotation guys, not, you know, throughout this stretch with Ja, four rotation guys that you're missing and you're still finding ways to get wins. It's, it's huge. So I think we can wrap it up, man. I have no idea how long we went. I didn't write down when we started. So this might be an hour show. Might, might not be as long as I think it is. Who knows? But it, it's been fun. I enjoy the, the, the trade talks, enjoy talking about the, you know, the, this huge win against the Lakers. Last night was unfortunate against the Mavericks. Again, I, I didn't get to watch the second half. I can only look at the box score. Obviously, officiating didn't completely change the game, but I, I saw the threes, the, the Grizzlies shooting from three last night, and I accidentally closed the page. I was going to tell you what that <laughs> was, but they, they didn't shoot the ball well from three last night, and I think that that was really – you know, the, the struggles that them not knocking down shots. And we, we witnessed that on a couple of want, occasions where they just, just couldn't knock down shots in the second half. Yeah. I want to say they only hit nine. I don't think they hit double digits, which, and I think Pete or Brevin put that stat out uh, after the game was saying that they have a terrible record when they don't hit 10 threes, I think. And I think they might've hit nine in that game. I could be wrong, uh, but no, they didn't shoot the ball well at all. And again, Jerry got in foul trouble. They were really good offensively in the first half, but once Jerry kind of got in foul trouble, um, you kind of knew Luca Luca was going to get going. I, I kind of felt going into that game was like, it's going to be tough, man. The, the Mavs coming in, I think they had lost what four in a row at that point and slipping into the division. I was like, man, they need this game. Not only do they need a win, but this is, Grizzlies are kind of moving away from them. They're going to come in here really ready to play and they were able to, to pull away in the second half. Just not a lot of offense for the Grizzlies in that one. Missed John in that one, but able to bounce back tonight, man. Offense looked fine tonight with with some role players. So you just never know night to night uh, what's going to happen in association. And again, man, that's why these games are so fun uh, to, to, to be able to win a game like this. For, for people outside of Memphis and outside of perspective, I'm sure wouldn't have gave a Grizzlies a lot of chance if you tell them we're going to be running Tilly, uh, Gunchar out there, Jerry Culver playing major yeah. minutes. I don't think a lot of people would have gave them much of a chance. But yeah, man, you just never know what's going to happen, man. And it's just a special night, special night for the Grizzlies to be able to get this win. Yeah, I, I pulled it up real quick. I'll say this, and then we can go ahead and get out of here. Uh, 15 for 25 from the free throw. Oh, they did it 15. Oh, for the free throw line. No, okay. the free throw line, yeah. So you yeah, they did. Yeah, they really throws. Throw. 60% yeah. from there, 9 for 31 from three. Yeah, I thought it was 9, there. yeah. 29%. So I, I will not – I didn't see the game to argue to be like, you know, the referees didn't affect it or not, but you you can't shoot the ball that bad from the free throw line. No, I mean, expect you expect to win games. So no. that, that's something, you know, I think overall you, there, there's been times when both of us have been upset at the refereeing of games, but we, we generally don't use that as an excuse. And, and last night, while you can point to that from multiple people that I've read and after, you know, Dylan Brooks, his postgame con- uh, comments, you, you would think that it did have some, some, somewhat of an effect on the game. But 
just shooting the ball from the free throw line. You know, Xavier Tillman's the guy that normally knocks him down. He was one for four. Stephen Adams, two for six from the line. And he seems to be feast or famine. You know, he had that yeah. – he made like 17 in a row to start the season. And he may have a game where he goes six for six or he may go one for six. And that's kind of what happened last night. But Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a perfect nut but net or he breaks him really bad. But but last night, I mean, the, the referees just lost control of the game. It, tempers were flaring. I mean, there was a lot of – a lot of stuff going on, man. Guys were upset and the technicals. It was just they lost control of the game. And again, they were very inconsistent. It seems like they were letting a lot of contact go on, on, on one end and the Grizzlies in. They were coming down, getting killed, no calls. It was it was bad. But that again, you can't miss 10 free throws and shoot the basketball from three the way they did and win games. I mean, just that that's not they would have lost the game probably regardless of what they appreciate was. But just like Dylan said, man, just be consistent. And that's all. You can ask for it. I don't feel like that that happened last night. Yeah. Yep. So we'll get out of here again. The final score of tonight's game, Memphis Grizzlies beat the Los Angeles Lakers 108 to 95. And we'll we'll get gone. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at DWO2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Make sure you go over to at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a follow. We definitely appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals, I-S. AAC underscore rivals, man. The Grizzlies take on the Houston Rockets, uh, Zebra Retirement Night. I do want to say real quick, man, if you haven't checked out the 50 for the City documentary, it's up on YouTube. Go to the Memphis Grizzlies YouTube page. You can watch it there, man. It is fantastic. I mean, I'm picking me up. Hey, man, I appreciate man. that because I had every intention of mentioning that. I did too, and I and, forgot. And forgot and I, I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad you got it in there, man. Definitely go check that out. I actually awesome. – I, I turned that on – uh, late last night and, and was watching that. I probably, if I had watched the game instead of turning that on, I probably would have been able to uh, to watch all of the game. But I'm, I'm glad that I watched the 50 in the city instead of watching the second half of that game, though, honestly. Yeah, man, it, it got, a little, got a little dusty in, in, in my house, man. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on there, but yeah, man, it's just a, a great window in, in, into that time with, with Zach and some of the great moments. Uh, shout out to uh, Parker Fleming, his fiance Allie Allen, uh, was in the documentary and her story. She loves Zebo and her story is St. Jude. I mean, it's just it's just awesome, man. I mean, very well put together. So definitely go check that out. I'll probably watch it again, man. That's how how good it is. But again, man, we got to get out of here. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals I S A A C underscore Rivals. Man, we'll be back this weekend uh, at some point. This stuff hopefully with the win of the Rockets. Uh, until next time, for David and Isaac, we don't.